Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grove Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Nick and I have the honor and privilege of pastoring the Grove Church right here in Fontana, California. Here at the Grove, our vision is to see our community grow closer to Christ, be givers like Christ, and reintroduce the lost to Christ. And my prayer is that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged, you'll grow a little in your faith, and you wouldn't just hear the word, but you would become a doer of the word. But I wouldn't just stop there. I encourage you to share this message with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, and anyone else you can think of. And after you do that, follow us on social media and visit our website at yourgrovechurch.org to learn more about who we are as a ministry and how you can get involved and plugged in right here at The Grove. I'm excited for you to hear this message. I can't wait. So get your notes ready and let's dive all the way in together. chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 15 through 20 today. So let's start with verse 15. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Here's what it says. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Look at your neighbor and say, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Verse 20, here's what it says. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Um, today, what we want to talk about, and then we'll pray over our message, and then we'll jump in. But today, what we want to talk about, our message is going to be focused on flowers don't bloom forever. Look at your neighbor and say, flowers don't bloom forever. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this message. Lord, I pray that you would help me deliver this message in the same way that you've given it to me, God, full of life, full of, full of encouragement, God and full of your wisdom and your grace and your mercy, God, to challenge us, to push us into new directions in our life. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just hear it, God, but we would be doers of this word, meaning we would live out exactly what your word says and apply it to our lives on a daily daily basis. So we thank you for this message. Pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we are in this month of October, and... uh, I feel like October is always the month where things start to feel like they're winding down a little bit, right? When you get to October, most of the holidays throughout the year are over. You have the last three major holidays that people look forward to, which are Halloween, if you're a sinner. No, I'm just kidding. Halloween, you have Thanksgiving, and then you have Christmas. So like the three major holidays that come up within between the month of October and December, but October always feels like it's just winding down. Um, It's the last quarter of the year, so the last three months, the start of the last three months of the year. And really in the business world, it's, it's considered the beginning of the new business year. So it's what you would describe the fiscal year. And so even though it's the start of the fiscal year, this is also the month where most companies and organizations start planning their retrospect 
retrospectives for the previous year. And so they start meeting about budgets for the next year. They start talking about performance of their employees and start having performance reviews. And this is typically around the time where most companies will assign metric increase or um, a, a merit increases for their employees. So it always feels like October is like the month where things start winding down. And what's interesting about that is that there's, there's a focus on the new year or the new thing to come when there's still many days left in the calendar year, right? So even though the year is not over, it's like October feels like that point where you start winding down. You start looking ahead and forgetting about the days that are right in front of you. And it's also really the month where you start to feel like fall is in full effect, right? And so what happens in fall? What happens in fall is oftentimes the flowers and the leaves that have been developed over spring and have, you know, been beautiful throughout the spring and the summer months. It's like now in the fall, where October feels like the start of that, in the fall, those flowers start to die. And you get this realization, if you really look deeply into it, you get this realization that these beautiful things that have developed over these last few months and have, have given us the, the necessary oxygen and all that stuff that we need, you get the realization that they have to die in order to live again in the following season, right? So it, it is really that time of the month or really that time of the year where things start to feel like they are winding down and almost coming to an end. It really is the end of the year. But again, that idea of passing over the days that are in front of you and looking forward to the new year, while sometimes in some seasons that can be encouraging, but in most cases, when you are overlooking what is right in front of you, it actually isn't a good thing. And so today, what I really want to focus on is us as Christians, as believers, as people, really not looking over the next few days, over the next couple of months, or even the days ahead of us, us not looking over those days, but really making the most of those days. There's a quote that comes to mind that says, the greatest obstacle to living is expectancy, which hangs upon tomorrow and loses today. You are arranging what lies in fortune's control and abandoning what lies in yours. And so it's like you're looking ahead to tomorrow and you're looking ahead to all these other things, but you're forgetting about today. You're forgetting about the opportunity to really seize this day. One of the scriptures that comes to mind that I actually want to kind of uh, marry with the scripture that we read in Ephesians is actually found in Matthew chapter six. And it's a very familiar passage of scripture. But as I think about us thinking ahead to tomorrow and being worried about the next thing as opposed to focusing on the right now, the here and the right now. I think about this scripture in Matthew chapter six where Jesus is telling his disciples this very simple principle. And here's what it says. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And in verse 34, it says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for 
today. I'll read that again. Don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. There's enough stuff for you to worry about and deal with on the next day or in the year ahead. And so while we might get so caught up in what am I going to do next year? What is going to be my new year's resolutions? What am I, what are the things I want to adventure into in the new year? Don't worry about tomorrow because it brings its own worries, its own concerns. Today is enough for all of us to worry about. Today, right here, right now, in this moment, step by step, minute by minute, second by second, today's trouble is enough for today. So why burden yourself with the things of tomorrow when you've got enough to worry about today? And so in this moment, Jesus is just telling his disciples, like, stop worrying about the next thing and worry about right now. What are you doing with right now? Right now. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you doing with right now? There's a, a, a phrase that I think, I think most people have heard in their life at least once, but it's this phrase carpe diem, right? Has everyone heard that phrase carpe diem? Carpe diem is a very simple phrase and it's oftentimes translated to mean seize the day. But that word, uh, that word or phrase, uh, is, has a Latin root, but it was first used by a Roman poet named Horace. And so seize the day, it was first used, carpe diem translated seize the day, was first used by the, by the Roman poet Horace. It's found in a series of poems that he's written titled Odes, published in 23 BC, so before Christ. So in 23 BC, Horace is writing these poems, and in that collection of poems, he uses the phrase carpe diem. But the phrase itself uh, that, that we are familiar with is actually a shortened version of a longer phrase or a longer sentence within his poem. And the original sentence is carpe diem quam minium credula postero. And this is, uh, so again, this is Latin, but it's translating, it's translation literally, literally means, um, pluck the day, trusting as little as possible in the next one. So again, carpe diem, typically phrased for us as seize the day, the, the true meaning of that phrase mixed with the longer sentence is actually this, pluck the day, trusting as little as possible in the next one. So the idea is to enjoy life while you can. And more specifically, he's describing pluck the day. So when you think about that phrase, pluck the day, and you think about spring and summer, you think about flowers, what he's really describing is pick the flowers, smell the flowers, enjoy the flowers that today harvests and today brings because you want to enjoy these moments. Pluck the day, trusting as little as possible in the next one. Like you have no idea what's going to happen the next day. And I think that's a little bit of what Jesus was describing to his disciples. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. As a matter of fact, if tomorrow comes, there's enough trouble tomorrow for you to worry about when tomorrow comes. But as far as today, worry about today. Or in Horace's case, pluck the day. Pluck the flowers. Smell the flowers. Enjoy what you can today because tomorrow's got enough trouble. So you might, might wonder like, okay, so where do we get this idea of seize the day or, or where do we get that part of it? Well, in the 19th century, there's another poet um, and writer, Robert Frost, who translated the words carpe diem differently. And the way that he wrote in a poem called, uh, titled Carpe Diem, he used the word um, seize instead of pluck. 
So where we hear the phrase seize the day, the original phrase is pluck the day. Seize the day comes from Robert Frost, who describes in this poem, Carpe Diem, which is seize the day of pleasure is actually the way his poem writes it. Seize the day of pleasure. This is not, this is, this is, uh, this not only changes the word, but it, but it changes how it's viewed. Right. So where Horace, the originator of this term carpe diem within this longer sentence, meaning pluck the day, trusting as little as possible in the next one. Robert Foss translates and changes that phrase to mean carpe diem. And in his his perspective, sees the day of pleasure. So how Horace applied carpe diem seems much different than how Robert Frost applies a term. Because Horace's view seems to point to how life is short. So take advantage of how life, how short it is. Take advantage of the opportunities that you have. Enjoy it within this day. Appreciate it for, for a, a visual. Again, like we described, imagine like plucking flowers or plucking flowers while they're in bloom. You are enjoying the essence of that thing, enjoying the day. And in Frost's view or Frost's perspective, he's looking at it as, as enjoy this, the pleasures. And so the full sentence for his poem is be happy, 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 and seize the day of pleasure. So it's much different than, than the original term or phrase. And so what's interesting is, is how this phrase going from pluck the day, you know, trusting as little as possible in the next one, which is very much aligned with the scripture of don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough of his troubles. It's interesting how the phrase and that meaning changed over time to be a little bit more fluffy to, to, to represent like, just be happy, be happy and enjoy the pleasures. And I think what often happens for us especially when we're reading scripture, especially the scriptures that we're reading now, I think what happens is that we take those scriptures and we change them to mean something different than what they actually are supposed to mean. Unfortunately, I think this happens a lot. Um, a lot of us have a perspective similar to Frost where it's more about being happy and enjoying the pleasures as opposed to taking opportunities within the day or seizing the day. So here we are you know, we have this perspective, again, very similar to Frost, where it's like, I want all the pleasures in the day. I want all the pleasures that I can enjoy. Even the things that are not meant for you, it doesn't matter. If the, the goal from Frost's perspective is to be happy. Be happy, 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 and seize the day of pleasure when the original meaning meant to enjoy the day and the opportunities within the day. Not necessarily just the pleasures, but the opportunity for progress, the opportunity for productivity, not just about enjoying ourselves and the pleasures, but really taking control of the day. That's really what the word sees means, taking control of the day and all of its opportunities because you never know what tomorrow's gonna bring. And so we read scripture a lot of time and we we take the parts of scripture that we want to take the parts that are enjoyable and we leave the rest because it's too much of a challenge. And so Horace, again, the originator of that term carpe diem, he, there, there's a challenge in that. Pluck the day, pluck the day, enjoy, take the opportunity for that day. And in Frost's perspective, again, it's all about enjoy the pleasures. So you remove the challenge and you focus just on the good things. And that's not the way that life is meant to be lived. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be obstacles every single day of your life. And so pluck the day, take the opportunity. You take the good with the bad and you make the most of it. There's a, a, another one of my one of my all time favorite historical figures 
um, named Marcus Aurelius. He has this quote that I think is really interesting. And Marcus Aurelius is known as, as really one of the last of the rulers known as the five good emperors of Rome. And here's what he says. This is a quote that he says. He says, remember how long you've been putting this off, how many extensions the gods gave you and you didn't use them. At some point, you have to recognize what world it is that you belong to, what power rules it and from what source you spring that there is a limit to the time assigned to you. And if you don't use it to free yourself, it will be gone and will never return. So how do we use the rest of this time? How do we use the rest of this time, the rest of this year, day after day, the rest of the, the years and days within our life? Because life itself is, is short. Life is very short. It's fleeting. There's, there's going to be great moments. There's going to be terrible moments. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the, the eternality, life is really short. The life that you have on earth is really short. So how do you do what Horace describes and pluck the day. How do you take the opportunities that you have? How do you seize the day, day after day? Um, how do you make the most of the days that have been assigned to you? Knowing that flowers don't last forever, that there's gonna come a point in time where the flowers have to wither, the flowers have to die, life is going to end. So how do you seize the days that you have and make the most of them? I think actually back when I, when I try to answer this question, I think back to uh, the scriptures that we read in Matthew chapter 6 and Ephesians, that, that foundational scripture we read in Ephesians chapter 5. I think back to those two scriptures when I think about how do you answer that question of how do you seize the day? How do you make the most of the days that you have? And so the first thing I think about is this idea, do not worry about tomorrow, right? If I want to seize today, I can't seize today. I can't make the most of today if I'm constantly worried about tomorrow. If I'm constantly worrying about the next thing, how do I seize today? How do I focus on right now if I'm also thinking about what's next, right? So the first thing we have to do is not worry about tomorrow. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. And I know it's typical for us to worry, right? Like some of us who are in school, you worry about, well, I have a test tomorrow. I have a quiz tomorrow. So now I'm thinking about how am I going to pass that? For those of you who uh, have jobs and you have to go to work tomorrow, um, some people describe it as the Sunday scaries where you're worried about Monday coming and you haven't even gotten through Sunday yet. You're spending your Sunday worried about your Monday because of all the things that are coming in the new week. And, and even with that idea of Sunday scaries, it's all about all oh, the pleasures of the weekend are ending. But again, life is not just about pleasures, right? There's hard things that you have to do. And one of the life models that I have is do hard things. So when things are difficult, when things are tough, do those hard things because life is made up of not just the easy things, but also the hard things. So for those of you who are worried about Monday, do hard things, get up, get ready, go to work Monday and make it a, the best day possible right? Seize the day. And the way that you do that is you don't worry about tomorrow. Let's look at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 16 again. Again, here's what it says. It says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make 
the most of every opportunity in these evil days. So I think Paul here is really trying to help us understand that, listen, the days that you are living in, and, and, and for, again, context for the people that this scripture and, and this, this book itself, this letter itself was written to, they're being persecuted for being Christians, right? And so every day for them is a challenge. Every day for them is like an evil day where I don't know if I'm going to walk out of here and be persecuted for what I believe and, and what I'm preaching. And so Paul is trying to encourage them, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. But that is not unfamiliar to the time that we're living in today, where there's so much stuff going on in the world. There's so much thought and idea about getting away from typical Christian values that there's so much of that happening today. There's things that used to be very taboo that are now very ordinary and very, you know, uh, common these days. And so in the same way that Paul is encouraging the people then, like, listen, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days to live wise, to live wise lives, not like fools. What he's basically trying to get us to understand is that we need to focus on the things, we need to focus on the main thing today. Every single day, every day that we are living, instead of focusing about the next day, let's worry about the, the day that we're on, the day that we're presently in and make the most of that day. Why? Because tomorrow will worry about itself, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just like Matthew tells us, we should be intentional about not looking ahead, but trying to understand what does God want me to do with this day? Ask that question. What does God want me to do with this day? So every day I wake up, that's got to be a question that we ask ourselves. What does God want me to do with this day? I know tomorrow I got to do this and I got to do that the next day. And this week is going to be a long week. But what does God want me to do with this day right now? The term seize, and I described this a little earlier, the term seize means to take hold of suddenly and forcibly. So we have to take control of our actions, our thoughts, our motivations, and all of the above on a day-to-day -day basis. We have to take control of those things forcibly. We've got to put ourselves uh, it, we we got to understand that that we have to take advantage of every single day and make sure for ourselves that we're taking the opportunity every day as it comes, not just worried about the next day, but really seizing the day today. One of my uh, my favorite authors and pastors, Mark Batterson, he, uh, he he wrote a book called Win the Day. And in this book, Mark focuses on seven daily habits and he describes, he describes it as seven daily habits to stress less and accomplish more. And in this book, one of the chapters is titled, Make Each Day a Masterpiece. Make each day a masterpiece. And that is what I, I really wanna encourage you to do. If you wake up every day and you ask yourself the question, what does God want me to do with this day? What does God want me to do with this day? Day. I know I have other problems in life that I could be worried about, but what does God want me to do with this day? If you start your day off that way, you are starting your day off with the intentionality to make every day, each day a masterpiece. Truly, I mean, that's the best way to start it off because there's number one, there's intentionality there. Right. And so that's the encouragement I want to give you. One thing about any work of art or masterpiece is that you you can't just treat it like it's no big deal. You can't just treat it like it's a, just another piece of art. 
right? You can't just treat it like it's another piece of painting. You have to treat it like there's value in it. So your day can't be treated like just another day. Every single day has got to be treated like a masterpiece. So what does God want me to do with each and every single day? When you're creating a masterpiece, you have to treat it like there's value in it. So there's value in today. And if I see value in today, then that's not going to make me think about tomorrow because I'm so focused on the value that today holds. And so I have to look at it that way every single day. A masterpiece takes great skill and workmanship and it's treated delicately, recognizing how valuable it is. So every single day, you've got to approach your day with skill and great workmanship, treating it with value. And you do that by starting your day and asking, what does God want me to do with this day? What do you want me to do, God? In some, uh, in, in, in some translations of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says, see then that you, that you walk circumspectly circumspectly similar to being careful like we read in our translation um, in how we live it means to step gingerly it means to approach the day cautiously right so and not not from a fear factor point of view but meaning that every single day I need to be really thoughtful about my intentions I need to be really thoughtful about my actions. I need to be really thoughtful about my speech every single day. I need to approach every single day circumspectly. And ultimately, we should watch our path and the ways that we go to avoid undesirable influences. I've got to be cautious within every single day, knowing that there can be some undesirable influences that try to take my attention. But if I'm making every single day a masterpiece, then I've got to be really thoughtful and cautiously approaching all of my activities, who I interact with, who I give my energy to. Right. One of the things I describe to um, to uh, uh, in, in the business world is that oftentimes as the workforce changes over and the workforce starts to get younger, most employees are worried about the vibe of the place in which they're going to be employed. So whereas like older generations, baby boomers, millennials, all of that, where they worry about benefits and pay and things of that nature, the younger the workforce gets, there's more of a concern about the vibe of the environment. Right. Like I want to make sure my energy is protected. I want to make sure the vibe in this space matches the energy that I want to give and the energy that I want to receive. And so oftentimes when this is the case, it's like they're approaching that job and they're approaching even a job interview very cautiously. So before I'm going to accept this job, before I'm going to I'm going to allow myself to be employed here and and work this nine to five, I want to make sure that this matches the energy that I want to give, right? And so they're approaching it cautiously. How would our lives be if every single day we approached it just as cautiously, where we said, listen, I want to give my time, my energy, my effort to someone who is going to appreciate me, to someone who is going to value me, to someone who is going to encourage me, to someone who is going to build me up, as opposed to wasting my time on someone who's thinking about tomorrow and thinking about other things, right? I want to be cautious with my day. In order to make every day a masterpiece, I have to be careful not to allow undesirable influences to contaminate 
my day. I am watchful. I'm thoughtful. I'm intentional about today. And every single day, each day, I am being thoughtful about that. Right. And this is not a perfect science. It's not like I've perfected this at all. Like this is this is preaching to me as well, where I've got to approach my day watchfully and thoughtfully and intentionally and make sure that I'm not contaminating this day that again, I'm trying to make a masterpiece with outside influences that don't encourage my faith, that don't encourage my walk with God, that don't encourage the places that I want to be in. So I've got to approach it circumspectly. Paul goes on to tell us to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In other words, what Paul is trying to describe to us and what Paul is trying to teach us and tell us is to redeem the time, right? Redeem the time we have, which means taking advantage of opportunities for service. So not only am I protecting my time and what I'm giving out, but I'm also thoughtful and protective of what I'm giving out to others, right? And so I don't want to be in the position where I am doing nothing. I want to be in a position where I'm serving others, where I'm helping others, right? Where I'm helping others experience their full potential, where I am serving others and not just waiting to be served, right? Because I think we live in a culture where a lot of times, again, I was just talking about the work environment. If the work environment doesn't serve me, then maybe I don't want to be there. And I think that's fine to an extent, but ultimately anytime I'm encountering people or anytime I'm connecting to other people, my responsibility and the ownership and onus that I take on myself is how can I serve this person in this environment, right? How can I serve someone else? How can I be in a position to help someone else? So not only do I need to protect the environments and the things that I'm exposed to, but I also need to protect what I give out and what I'm doing as well. At the end of the day, if, if you want today to count, if you want today to be a masterpiece, it has to be lived for God, right? That's the only way to make today a masterpiece. And each day that you live, that's the only way. Start it off with God. It's important to live for God. Being intentional about what you say, what you do, what you view, what you listen to. It takes work. But when you're keeping God in mind from beginning to end, that's what makes it masterful. That's what makes it masterful. Not being worried about tomorrow, but being worried about today and what God wants me to do with this Day. The point is we each have a limited amount of time on this earth. Paul is encouraging and he's pushing us and he's exhorting us to use as much of that time as possible for advancing Christ's purposes in this world. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you advancing? What are you advancing? Are you advancing Christ's purpose or are you advancing your own agenda? Right? Are you doing the things that only please you or are you doing the things that please God? Right? Because if I'm only doing the things that I want to do, then I'm not advancing God's purpose. I'm advancing my own purpose. I'm advancing what I want, right? The things I want to consume. I'm worried about, if I'm worried about those things more than what God wants me to do, then I'm advancing my own purpose, right? If I can't make it to church because I want to watch the game, I'm advancing my own purpose. That has nothing to do with God. I'm not pushing anything forward. If, I, if I'm late to church because I'm busy eating a snack, right, because I'm thirsty, I'm not advancing my own purpose. I'm advancing, I'm advancing my own purpose, not, not the purposes of God, right? So I have to make the most of every single 
day. Again, this is what Paul is encouraging us to do. Make, make them, make, use as much of our time as possible advancing God's purpose today. In our, in our series on the book of James, we read this scripture and I thought it was so relevant to what we're talking about today. But in James chapter four, verse 13 through 14, here's what it says. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Jack Hayford puts it this way as we talk about worrying about today. He says, a clear characteristic of having an affair with worldliness is making plans without consulting God. Such action is boasting that is a presumption that oneself, not God, is in control of the circumstances of life. If you're going to make today a masterpiece, if you're going to not worry about tomorrow and make today a masterpiece, you have to keep God in the equation and make sure you're starting your day by asking, God, what do you want me to do today? And let me tell you, that can be, we talk about rhythms, right? Like devotionals and prayers and start your day off this way. That can be the first thing that you do to start your day. You don't have to have this long drawn out prayer. You don't have to be doing all these extras and one thing that you can do to start your day is ask the question, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do with this day? And sit and listen. That's that's one thing that you can do. Lord, what do you want me to do with this day? And sit and listen. The next thing that we have to do in order to uh, seize the day or make the most of our day, this is our last point today. The next thing we have to do, again, going back to our scripture in Matthew chapter 6, Verses 33 through 34. Again, we first talked about don't worry about tomorrow, but here's the next thing I think we have to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I know that seems very simple, right? And we've heard this text over and over. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And going from uh, asking God, what do you want me to do with today is a perfect segue into this point. Seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let's look at what Ephesians chapter five, verse 17 through 20 says. Here's what it says. It says, uh, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. That sounds very much like seeking God, right? Seeking God first. Don't approach it thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And then verse 20 says, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so again, this point of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it it is simply understanding that everything else will come, everything else will be given to you when you do this first, right? When When I am trying to make the most of today, the best way to do that is to seek God first. The best way to do that is to ask God first, What is it that you want me to do? What is it that I'm going after? And when I do that, everything else will come. So why is that an important part of starting your day? Because if you're looking for peace within your day, if you're looking for comfort, if you're looking for joy, if you're looking for happiness, if you start by seeking God every single day, all of those other things will come. Those who are depressed, those who are filled with anxiety, those who have a a hard time just getting going in your day. Sometimes the important thing to do, and, and I shouldn't say sometimes, let's just say frankly, most times the important thing to do is to sit quietly and understand like, man, Lord, what do you want today to look like? 
I know I might be filled with all these other things that, 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 uh, that get in the way and distract me, but Lord, what do you want me to do today? Right, what is, it, what is it that you want for me in this day? More importantly, the things that you actually need when you seek God first, the things that you actually need will be given to you. The things that you actually need will be given to you when you make the decision to seek God above all else. And that's why this is important, that if you're gonna make the most of your days, because again, flowers don't bloom forever. Flowers don't live forever. The days are numbered. The seasons change and, and life withers away. And so if I'm gonna make the most of right now, the best way to do that is to seek God first. Here's a quote I think is really important. Again, I think this is Jack Hafer, but here's what he says. He says, rather than being preoccupied with material things, our ambition should be to seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, knowing that as we do so, he has pledged himself with covenant faithfulness to respond. And the way in which he responds is, all these things shall be added to you. Right? So, so, it's, in, so it's an important part of just making the most of the day. To seek his kingdom and righteousness is really to thoroughly go after the things of God. That's really it. I know righteousness feels like a big churchy word, but it really is seeking and going after the things of God. Mark Batterson again shares, uh, you know, in, in talking about that point of, you know, making every day a masterpiece or making each day a masterpiece, he shares the origins of his point within the book um, making each day a masterpiece, sharing that what was actually, uh, this, this idea of making each day a masterpiece was actually one of the seven, po seven point creeds that uh, famous uh, UCLA coach John Wooden would have. So he had seven points, seven creeds that he would live by, making each day a masterpiece was one of them. But in addition to that, John Wooden believed that you should drink deeply from a good book, especially the Bible. Again, this is what he believed. This is how, this is what he lived his life by. Make each day a masterpiece was one of them. Drink deeply from a good book, especially the Bible was another one. And another one that he believed is that you should pray for guidance and count and give thanks for your blessings every single day. So it's this idea of going after God, right? Seeking God, taking, it's about, uh, it's about, taking those very beliefs that you have and, and living them out every single day, right? It's not just about saying it, but it's about living it out in order to understand what God desires from each of, the, each of us every single day. The adverse action is making decisions to do what I want to do each day, living the way that, that, is, that, that doesn't please God. So if I'm seeking God in his kingdom and his righteousness, I'm going after the things that God wants me to go after. And that's what helps me make each day a masterpiece. That's what helps me make the most of each day, right? That's what helps me pluck the day like Horace the, the poet describes. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is this quality of being right, right? So this word suggests conformity to the revealed will of God in all respects. So in other words, it means that I am conforming not to, not to the world, not to what looks fancy, not to my own pleasures, but I am conforming to the will of God for my life and the will of God overall. And when I am conforming to this, that is what righteousness looks like. 
If you ever wonder where the Bible describes righteousness, that is what it's describing. It's describing a person who makes the daily decision and commitment to be conformed to the will of God and not to the things around them. Paul describes in our text that we should, uh, we should, we should act, we shouldn't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants us to do. That's the essence of seeking him and his kingdom and his righteousness. This is not a matter of feeling or emotion. It's about mentally applying our minds to scripture and doing all that scripture says. So again, going back to our first point, there's intentionality here. There's intentional effort towards saying, I'm going to apply what the word of God says for my life in every part of it, not just the parts that seem fun, not just the parts that seem pleasurable, but even the parts that seem very difficult. And and this is a lifelong adventure. This is not a tomorrow you wake up and you're gonna get it down perfectly. No, this is making the decision, making the choice every single day that I'm gonna be conformed to God's will and to God's word and not the things around me. This is a daily effort. There's some days you're going to mess up and you're going to get it wrong. You're going to slip up. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. But the reality is that if you are intentional about being righteous and seeking God, then every single day, not tomorrow, not focus on the next week, but this day today, what God wants me to do with this day, if I am going after God and I am making the decision and the choice to be conformed to his will today, that's what makes today a success. And if I just focus on day to day and not being worried about month after month and and the next year and then tomorrow and then what I'm going to do. No, focus on what you can do today to make today a masterpiece. It's not about emotion, but it's about applying. It is is the physical action of applying what I'm learning in God's word to my day-to-day life. Again, you can't, you can't, be obedient to scripture if there's no application, right? You can't be obedient simply in mind. There has to be application. There has to be. And, and if, if today you're saying like, man, I, I haven't been applying it the way it should be applied. I haven't lived my life the way it should be lived. Well, today is the opportunity for you to seize the day. There's still many hours, minutes, seconds in this day for you to seize the day and do exactly what we're describing. Be conformed to his word and apply the word to your day-to-day life. It's not about doing some things right and getting a gold star for doing some of those things right. You don't get a gold star for doing some things right. You don't get a gold star for partial obedience. You get a gold star for complete obedience. And so it's not about just doing some things right and forgetting the others, but it's about complete conformity and surrender to what God wants. That's how you make the most out of life. That's how you make the most out of today. Paul goes on to say, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. I'm sure some of us have some experiences where we've looked to our own vices. And this is not just uh, pointing a finger at wine drinkers or those who, it's, it's not about that. The, 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 the principle that Paul is trying to communicate is don't be drunk with your own vices. Don't be so consumed with what pleasures you because you're going to ruin your life when you do that. When you are so consumed with yourself and, and not consumed with the word and what God has wants for you, then you're going to ruin your life. So he tells us, don't be so consumed with your own, with your own vices. You're going to ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
just as a person who is drunk is, is, is under the influence of, of whatever their drink of choice is or the alcohol, being spirit-filled means that you are controlled by the spirit, that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your actions and to, to direct your path. And, and him as the helper is coming in and doing his part. And you are allowing yourself to be guided by him, to be filled based on the, the tense that we see in, in this, in this text that Paul is, um, that we're reading from Paul about being filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the way in which this is, this is written in the tense of, of the Greek word translated feel, what it's describing is this feeling is a moment by moment repeatable action. It's not just a once in a lifetime, okay, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and that's it. No, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a daily opportunity. It's a daily moment by moment choice and decision that you're making to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and to allow him to get the best of you. And so it is a repeatable thing. Every single day, I got to wake up and want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single day, I got to want to be intentional about asking to be filled with the Spirit. It's not a singular experience. I have to continually ask for it today, this day, to make the day the best it can be. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Every single day. It's not, oh, okay, I got saved last week and now, now I'm done. No, that, that, it takes daily replenishment of the Holy Spirit. It's a daily action. Again, that's what Paul is describing. That's what the tense, uh, the Greek word that Paul uses for being filled is means a repeatable action. It's not just a singular experience. It's a repeatable thing. So it's over and over every single day, seizing the opportunity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the natural outcomes of being filled with the Spirit is acting like it or living like it, Right? Paul describes it as singing songs to the Lord, but also giving thanks for everything we have and giving thanks to the Lord for all those things. The outcome of daily seeking God's kingdom and righteousness is living a spirit-filled life that allows the Holy Spirit to influence all aspects of my life, which means I'm going to be worshiping God on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm going to be thankful and showing my gratitude for what God has done in my life. That is, that is what being filled by the, that is what you demonstrate, what you act out when you've been filled by the Holy Spirit, right? It's those fruits of the Spirit, the patience, the love, the long suffering, all of that stuff. Those are evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And on a day-to-day -day basis, I want to demonstrate those things. Right? Don't you, don't you want to demonstrate that? Don't you want to live those things out? It includes in your relationships, your worship, your act of service, in all of those areas, it should be a demonstration of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to go back to this quote from Marcus Aurelius to kind of tie up our message today. But um, again, here's the quote that he says. He says, remember how long you've been putting this off. How many extensions God's given you and you don't use them? So how many of us have said something like, okay, I, I, all right, all right, God, if, if you get me out of this, like, all right, then I'm, then I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. I'm going to be saved. If you get me out of this, all right, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to go hard for you. I'm going to no cap. Like I'm, I'm going in. I'm, I want to do exactly how many of us have, have said that. And then it turns out to actually be cap, right? Where the Holy Spirit is looking at you the next day where you promised to live for God. And he's like, cap, that's cap right there. 
And you and you're just living life thinking you ate and you and you didn't eat anything. You didn't eat anything because you're not living out what God has called you to live out. So Marcus, what he's describing is like, listen, how many times have you asked for these extensions and you haven't used them? And he goes on and he says, at some point, you have to recognize what world it is that you belong to. What powers rule it? That's God. God is the ruler of the heavens and the earth. So you have to understand, you have to get to a point where you realize what powers rule this earth. And when you recognize what powers rule this earth, when you recognize who's in control and where you come from and who you belong to, then you recognize that there is a limit to the days that are assigned to you. On this earth, there is a limit. And in order for you to live eternity and have eternal life, you've got to make the most of the days that are assigned to you on this earth. And I love what he says after that. He says, listen, and if you don't use it, If you don't use the time to free yourself, it will be gone and will never return. For all of us, the this that Marcus is describing is the seeking first the kingdom of God that Jesus reminds us to do. For so long, many of us have put off off total submission to God and, and submitting to his will. We've put it off subconsciously, but we've put it off because we want to do what pleases us. And sometimes serving God is not always attractive. It's not always the best thing. It's not always, it doesn't always feel great. It doesn't always feel like we're getting the, 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 it feels like we're getting the short end of the stick sometimes. And so for so long, we've put off total submission to God and his will. But like Marcus says, at some point, we have to realize that God is in control, not us and our days are numbered. Instead of using those days to keep ourselves in the bondage of sin based on what we do to please ourselves on a day-to-day basis, we should be using the time and our days to do God's will and free ourselves from this bondage by taking advantage of each and every day we have on this earth to seek God, not our own happiness and our pleasures. And I think that's where it starts, right there. Every head bowed and every eye closed in the room. Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope it blessed you and pray that whatever you take away today gets sown deep into your heart and you apply it to your day-to-day life. If it was as good to you as it was good to me, please share this message with someone and let's continue to grow together. Part of our vision here at The Grove is to be givers like Christ. If you were blessed by today's message and you want to partner with us in your giving, all you have to do is text GIVE to 844-831-4106 or visit yourgrowthchurch.org slash give. If you're looking for a community to be a part of, we would love for you to call The Grove Church home. And to get connected to us, you can simply text GO to 844-813-5747 or shoot us a DM on one of our social media platforms. I pray blessings over you wherever you are and wherever you go and can't wait for you to join us next time. Peace.